People all over the world are just beginning to talk about the Beatles. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. One, two, three. Hello, my name's Paul McCartney. This is Ringo Starr. This is John Lennon. I'm George Harrison. Welcome back to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming the incredibly talented actress Ella Ballantyne to the show. Acting for over 10 years, Ella has been the lead of several films, including The Black Conflux, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, and the A24 film The Monster. She's worked alongside of notable actors such as Martin Sheen, Lawrence Fishburne, and Susanna Sarandon. She's also the winner of the Canadian Screen Award. In this episode, we dive into Ella's personal connection to the Beatles and how the legendary band has influenced both her life and career. We'll explore her favorite Beatles songs and discuss the relevance of the Beatles' music in the modern world. So get ready for an insightful discussion about the impact of the Beatles through the eyes of Ella Ballantyne. Ella, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I had a great weekend, actually. I went to a Taylor Swift concert, so that was a blast. Oh my god, that is a great weekend. So, Ella, one of the first things I notice about you and your Instagram page is that you have an affinity for music, especially the music of the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, I... I think I love like I got this from my dad that I love all genres. It'll just be like specific artists in each genre. But I I have like a a very strong affinity for like 70s, 60s, 70s music. And um, yeah, I think naturally the Beatles take up a really big chunk of that space. So how did you get into older music and how did you hear the Beatles for the first time? Um, well, all of it is honestly from my dad. Like, it's funny because both of my parents are, you wouldn't really think of them as creative people. Like, I have so many friends whose parents are painters and performers, et cetera, et cetera. But my parents, like, I don't know. I think they just didn't really have, like, a lot of patience for children's programming. <laughs> so when I was really little, like, my sister and I would watch um tbo kids and pbs kids in the mornings but the movies i was watching and the music i was listening to was very mature from early on and my dad like he's the music guy and like he always is playing music i mean he works a lot so on his days off of work if he's cooking all day there's music playing in the kitchen and every day when he comes home from work like if he gets home like around 7 or even like 9 p.m., he'll put on whatever album he's listening to at that point or whatever artist he's really into. And um, lately it's been a lot of radio, but like every Saturday used to be Prairie Home Companion. Um, so that was something I always look forward to. But yeah, he really got me into old music really fast. And um, even like, he bought my sister and I the Yellow Submarine movie, um, 
which at the time it felt like such a kid's movie. I mean, it's a cartoon. Um, and the Beatles just felt like caricatures of themselves. Um, and that's what really got me into the Beatles. Like that's my earliest memory of, of having a favorite Beatles song and which was Octopus's Garden obviously, Um, which is my dad's like least favorite Beatles song. So that was also like my first memory of like having my own music taste, I guess. Um, Yeah, but but my dad is just like, he's always been really into playing music and having lots of opinions about it. And um, when I was like seven or eight years old, he got me an iPod Nano for Christmas. Well, both my parents did. And um, my dad was loading it up with his iTunes library and just like picking whatever he knew I liked. So there was, it was probably mostly Beatles records. Um, And I think I remember there being like Lauryn Hill and Amy Winehouse. And, um, (laughs) but he, he told me this story not long ago that um, he asked me one day, like, this is like an eight-year-old Ella of like, what's your favorite song on there? Like, what do you listen to all the time? And I was like, <laughs> A Man Needs a Mate, which is a Neil Young song. It's not Beatles, I'm sorry. But um, if you've heard A Man Needs a Maid by Neil Young, it is the craziest thing to come out of an eight-year-old's mouth. <laughs> That's their favorite song. Apparently he yeah. played it and I was singing along. And I don't know, I feel like that's a really good story to tell you about how I've always just been into older music. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. So it was kind of like a natural thing for you to be drawn to this kind of music. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I think like with the Beatles, I really liked their, when I was younger, I really liked their sixties sound like help and yesterday. I've just seen a face like that whole record, like, that little upbeat I think it's because like I was very into um Grease the musical when I was younger and so like 50s 60s that like upbeat more pop rock um sound and it just I don't know it just sounded um like natural and genuine and um I like connecting with my parents in that way of listening to their music yeah it was pretty natural I guess Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the thing about the early Beatles music is that when you're young, you're naturally drawn to that energetic, bubbly sound. Like even in songs like Help, where the lyrics are kind of sad and depressing, it still sounds upbeat and you can dance to it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I also think um, I've always been a hopeless romantic. And so that record, it's so it's it just feels like having a crush. Like it just feels so juvenile almost in like the best way like I mean I've just seen a face it's so it it's all the feelings of when you have a crush on somebody and I I think from when I was three years old I've had crushes on people so (laughs) so it just resonated from an early age I guess well yesterday is like the ultimate song for hopeless romantics oh absolutely but I I mean it's also just like a, a good ballad I love like I mean, A Man Needs a Maid is a crazy ballad. It's so dark and dramatic. Um, So even from an early age, I've appreciated it. Like, um, 
I'm trying to think of like what other. Oh, girl. That's a super upbeat, romantic, but like sad song that I was super into when I was younger. I love that one. And when did you decide that you wanted to get into acting? Was that around the same time that you got into the Beatles? Um, <laughs> I think it was, it must have been a bit after. I mean, I didn't, I didn't decide I wanted to act. It kind of happened as an accident because when I was really young, I was super shy. I mean, I'm still quite shy, but um, from like two and three years old, I, I could barely talk to anybody and so my mom put me into ballet classes and I actually did dance for quite a few years and I was doing it like almost every day after school and it turned out that I I really love performing and and all of a sudden I just like blossomed and became this total like I love being the center of attention I love being front and center and um, having a spotlight on me and but it was very centered around dance. Like I just, I thought I was going to be a ballerina my whole life. And then when I was nine years old or eight or nine years old, um, there was an open call in Toronto for the Railway Children, which was a play that was going to be put up in the summer. And my mom didn't put me into a day camp for March break. So she just said, do you want to go with a friend and like go to this open call audition? And it was just for the ensemble parts and we didn't think anything of it. Like she didn't tell my dad, like it was just such a let's go do this for fun type of thing. And then I, I had a really fun time at the audition. It was just like, it, we kind of just played drama games to be honest. Um, but then I got the part and <laughs> we had to tell my dad and he was like kind of beside himself. Um, just cause you know, you know, child actor is kind of a crazy thing to get into um but then I did the play for the summer I was in the ensemble and it was it was the most exciting thing ever like I still loved dance but it felt so different to become a character and then I told my parents that I wanted to keep doing it and um I'm so lucky that I have the most supportive parents in the whole world that they said okay and they helped me get an agent and keep going at it um but even in the beginning I didn't think I was ever gonna do lead roles like I thought I was just gonna I would have at that point I would have done ensemble play performances my whole life because that's all I had known and um I don't know it just kind of happened that I kept booking things and they ended up being fantastic roles and then lead roles and then horrors and thrillers and working with amazing people so yeah it happened on accident and then now I, I can't picture life without it so do you have a favorite role that you've played or a favorite experience from acting I mean I have a few it'd be hard to say that I have a favorite um I think the first role that I think of is my role in The Monster, um, which was written and directed by Brian Bertino. Um, just because it felt like such a pivotal moment. Like, I turned 14 years old on that set, and it felt like Brian 
was looking at me as an actor and not as a child who was on set that he had to like help guide. Um, and he was actually like talking to me like an adult and asking for my opinion on the role. And we were able to, I just felt like it was the first time that I was really bringing my craft into it. Um, and, and Zoe Kazan, who played my mother, like, we had such a strong friendship at that time. And it was just this really crazy experience. I mean, the whole film takes place in the evening. So we were going to bed at 8am. And we were starting our day at 8pm. And it was just also in the pouring rain, like it was just the most like physically, emotionally demanding. But um, I'm still so close with Brian and I'm so grateful for that friendship and um yeah I'm quite proud of my work in that film but yeah lots of like I mean every every role is like a favorite for different reasons you know yeah it's all yeah. got a special place in my heart <laughs> so Ella at age 21 how have the Beatles influenced your life so far <laughs> big question um I mean, in many ways, they've kind of thinking about that, like before doing this podcast, I realized like how they have had this like constant thread in my life, which is so bizarre. I mean, yeah, from an early age, watching Yellow Submarine with my sister and having asking my dad to play Octopus Garden when he hates that song. And, um, and then I remember like, when my sister was growing up, she's four years older than I am, and she was in middle school. And I just, you know, as you think your older sibling is, is like the coolest person ever. She was learning guitar and she learned Blackbird and she performed it with her class when they're all singing and her and her friend were playing the guitar. And it was just, I thought my sister was the coolest person on the planet. Like, so Blackbird was my favorite song at that point. Um, but I didn't want to tell her that because that, that wouldn't be cool of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then when I was in high school, like I started listening to my own music, like trying to find like what, okay, stop listening to what my dad likes and figure out what is it that I like. But the Beatles kind of stayed. And I was actually in this class that was called Contemporary Music where it was just bi-weekly, you would um, either write a song with your group members or you would complete whatever assignment there was. So um, I did like a Joni Mitchell medley with my friend, which was really fun. And there was a Fleetwood Mac medley that we did that was cool. But my favorite one was Love Me Do. <laughs> the group and I did Love Me Do. And it was so fun because we had a drummer and guitar player and a bass player. We didn't have anyone who played the harmonica, but we had this girl who played violin and it sounded amazing. She totally nailed it. And it was just like the first time I felt like I was singing music that sounded like what I was listening to. And that sounded just, it was just such a cool experience. And then you know, like crushes and relationships. Like my first relationship when I was in high school, 
I sang a cover of, I mean, I don't even think that's a Beatles song. I think they're doing a cover of Till There Was You. Yeah. Yeah. That's from the music, man. Um, Yeah. But that, I heard the Beatles singing that and I just felt like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm feeling. Like that is first love. And I, (laughs) I recorded that and I sent it to my first boyfriend and um, now I always think of that when I hear that song. And um, in my last relationship, I it was kind of bizarre how we got together because it was the pandemic hit and we hadn't met yet. We were just chatting online. And so we were talking online for a few months. And then when we were actually seeing each other, that was also like a really long process because it was still like covid and you didn't know if you could kiss anybody and it was so scary um and so finally when we got together it felt like i fell in love so quickly that i it was the most frightening thing ever um and so what i did was i made him a playlist i take making playlists really seriously and you know, you have to tell a story in it. The, the lyrics, the transitions, everything's got to matter. And so the playlist was just my way of knowing that I loved him. But I didn't want to be the first one to say it <laughs> because it felt so soon. So the playlist started with I Hope I Don't Fall in Love with You by Tom Waits um, because I'm super dramatic. But it ended with she loves you by the Beatles. Um, so now whenever I hear she loves you, I, I think of him, which is really sweet. And did he know after you made the playlist? I think he knew. I think he knew. He he ended up being the first one to, to say it. Thank God, because I don't know if I, I could have. But um, yeah, then then I kept making him playlists all the time and and there were always Beatles songs like here there and everywhere was definitely on I remember on one of the playlists so they have so many good love songs it's insane yeah yeah you're right (laughs) and you know I actually I read a quote the other day that said something like the only thing an artist can do to be understood is be sincere and I think that's exactly what the Beatles did best because they have so many good love songs and you listen to these songs and you're like yep that's that's exactly how I'm feeling. Like, thank you, Paul, for explaining my own thoughts to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's the best thing about them. Um, do you have a favorite Beatles love song? Oh, my gosh. A favorite Beatles love song. I think something. I think something would have to be my favorite love song by them because, I don't know. It's just, it sounds like love, too. Attracts me like no other love. Yeah, it just sounds magical. And it's kind of just, I don't know, it's how, like, I would hope somebody, I hope someone would look at me and think of that song. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. I think everyone should want that, too. <laughs> I mean, the Beatles were, were so passionate about life, about each other, about music, and it, and it comes across so well in their love songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, their love songs are great because it's like it's got the whole scale. It's like mm, the yeah. cru- having a crush on somebody, 
being actually in love, the fear of being in love with like, don't let me down. Like that's another really good one. And then like the breakups and I mean, my favorite song overall is um, I Want You, She's So Heavy. For sure, without a doubt. And that song is, I mean, I apologize if this is perhaps crude, but it's so horny. Like, (laughs) just fills with, that's what it is. That is what it is. Um, And I love it. It sounds like it. It feels like it. The lyrics are probably, like, one of the most simple lyric songs. Like, it's only a few sentences that repeat. Um, But it just sounds like being horny for somebody and it (laughs) I I also like another favorite band of mine is The Last Shadow Puppets and um, at 2016 Coachella they performed that song they did a cover and you know like doing Beatles covers everybody does it but covering is really tricky work Um, but especially for that song um, but The Last Shadow Puppets, they did it, and it's actually really good, and you should watch it, because it they brought, like, that whole rock and roll energy to it. It's awesome. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really cool. Yeah. One of my favorites, I think, is Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. I, I think that one is just, like, man, he just loved Linda so much, and it really comes through on that song. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I really like that one, too. I was listening to that one the other day, actually. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. I love if we're doing if we're doing Beatles songs that aren't with the Beatles, George Harrison, "If Not for You." Oh, that's another great one. Come on, that's so good. It it's the song makes you feel like you're skipping. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> so is uh, wait, who's your favorite Beatle? <laughs> Sorry, your face went so serious. <laughs> well, I'm curious now. I mean, you mentioned uh, George a few times already, so yeah, well, had to ask. <laughs> George is my favorite. Um, I think when I was younger, John was my favorite. And then when I got more Beatles knowledge, I think Paul became my favorite. And obviously I had a phase where Ringo was my favorite because I wanted to be different (laughs) um (laughs) but since hearing all of their work after the Beatles and then actually noticing my favorite songs of of the Beatles who wrote it most of them are George so yeah and I think he he personally like I think he has the the best post Beatles solo album whatever you'd like to call it Oh, yeah. All Things Must Pass is great. All Things Must Pass is a perfect album. Yep. Every song is perfect on it. I I could listen to that album like every week for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, to go back to what we were talking about before we started recording, you posted a screenshot of George's song, The Art of Dying, to your Instagram page. Why did you post that song? Because that's such a deep cut on All Things Must Pass. It's such a great song. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that song I keep listening to lately. It just, I love how it sounds. I feel like 
I listen to music to daydream to it. I go for walks every day for like one to three hours. Um, and it just, it sounds incredible. Like, and I, I love how quiet it gets, how loud it gets. And then the message behind it, it just feels so, the same level of angstiness that I guess I'm feeling lately. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Beatles album? Favorite Beatles album? I think Abbey Road. Yeah? I feel like I feel like that's a simple answer, but but honestly when I ask people that question, a lot of people say Revolver. Um which I also agree with. But Abbey Road I I listened to the other day and like again, every song is so perfect. And I think it has the most of my favorite songs of theirs. Like I mean it's got something golden slumbers like in the whole second half of it you know how it's just like all goes into the next song is so perfect every time i listen to it all the way through it's it blows my mind like it never fails to amaze me and um yeah it's so good I, I think there's like there's a little trend of people in my generation who like to say that the Beatles are overrated, but I would point them to Abbey Road because it's just it's perfect. And then also knowing that that's their last record, it's like what? Hmm. Maybe I'm. This might be like too confident of me to say, but what artist or band? has that good of a last record i don't know like knowingly like there are there are artists who unfortunately passed away and then their last work is still like so incredible but i think like a lot of artists just keep going and trying and like pushing their band to like put out stuff and the music just kind of gets tired and they lose their sound but it's like they they ended like peak sound like it was just their sound was so unique and awesome and that album's so good it is and with the songs on abbey road specifically like you can take any one of those songs and put them in the spotify queue next to a contemporary song like let's say um kyoto by phoebe bridgers and the quality of both songs will sound like they're from the same year or you'll barely be able to tell that any song from Abbey Road is like over 50 years old. I mean, there are 60s groups that sound pretty dated. And mm -hmm. sometimes the early Beatles songs sound like that too. But I think Abbey Road was like the foundation of the sound of modern music. No, I I, I, I agree with that. Like, you're right. Like the, er the earlier stuff, you wouldn't be able to do that. But... Yeah, for sure with Abbey Road, like, you're right. That could easily be something that came out today and it would just be just as incredible. Yeah, and, and, and like, all of those songs are so good on their own, but then you listen to it all the way through and it's crazy good. Oh, yeah, especially Golden Slumbers into uh, Carry That Weight into oh the end. Oh, my God, Carry That Weight is so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
great time. The way they scream it, like you just, Golden Slumbers feels like this lullaby and then it gets into that screaming. It's awesome. And Maxwell Silver Hammer's on that too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And Here Comes the Sun is on that. Yeah, I know. Come on now. And then George Harrison on his own wrote Here Comes the Moon, which yes. I didn't discover until this year. Like, so amazing. It's all so good. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier you mentioned our generation and what people our age think of the Beatles. Why do you think that some people brush them off? No, I mean, I don't think everyone is. I think there's... um but there, there is some people who would like to say that they're overrated. But I mean, I think there is that like in every generation, like when there was Beatlemania, you know, there were people brushing them off because they were teenage girls were going crazy for this boy band. You know, there's all there's always going to be some group in a generation that has to like invalidate something that's popular. Um, but I think with my generation, I don't know why exactly people would think that they're overrated I guess it's just there's so much new sound and I think music today is so different from what the Beatles did I think like rap and pop and R&B is what's like the most popular right now um but also I mean I think there's a lot of conversation about artists and who they were influenced by and like this I this really good idea of like giving credit where credit's due. Um, I just watched the Little Richard documentary um, a few weeks ago that was really good. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But there's a lot of mention about the Beatles because the Beatles opened for Little Richard for, I can't remember if it was a few months or a few years, but they were touring with them. And then when the Beatles go off on their own and they're doing their thing, they were doing lots of Little Richard songs and they totally, like Little Richard shaped a lot of their performance and like how they built their persona on stage. Um, so I think there's also like a lot of my generation likes to, you know, point out like critiques and like that type of stuff, with which I think is really good and really cool. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think a lot of my generation does appreciate them, though. I mean, I actually this morning saw a video of Billie Eilish saying that the Beatles is like one of her fa all time favorite musician groups or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I think I think it's a mix. I th and I think it's always been a mix. You know, I like that answer. And thanks for saying it's cross generational, too, because, you know, when you grow up liking this music, there's this thought that like, oh, I was born in the wrong generation sort of thing. But when you go back and look at history, you're right. There there have always been people disliking the Beatles in, in one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I think most of my favorite music is from the 70s and I have a tendency to like think about, you know, I was born in the wrong generation type of thing. But I don't know. I think like I do feel so lucky that <laughs> I 
I'm born in a generation that has streaming <laughs> music abilities as much as streaming platforms like where that's all going kind of seems a bit problematic but but I'm I'm feel so happy that I'm able to just look at any Beatles record whenever I want. I don't have to go all the way to the record store and try to listen to it and you know, have album listening parties with my friends because sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to listen to music alone. So <laughs> there's there's pros and cons to all the generations. I mean, I would have loved to go to Woodstock, but I can watch the videos on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, streaming, have you seen the recent Get Back documentary? So <laughs> I've seen the first part. And I haven't seen, I think there's three parts to it, aren't there? Yes. So my dad and I, we watched the first part around Christmas and then he works a lot. So whenever he has downtime, he doesn't feel like watching a movie. So I think the second and third part are going to happen next Christmas. Um, but we both really enjoyed it and we were talking about it for for weeks, just that first part. So <laughs> like how I I didn't stop watching it because I didn't like it like we really loved it it's just he's a busy man and it's long oh yeah very long they they took all the footage and decided to use all of the footage <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think makes the Beatles still relevant to audiences today I mean, I think it's a lot about what we were discussing before, that they have this amazing catalog of music that goes into, like, every type of emotion. Like, they have the scale of love, and then with their later stuff, they get into, like, midlife crisis or, <laughs> you know, self-contemplation and what's the meaning of life and... Um, even just like the quirky stuff, like when I'm 64, you know, lots of the daydreamy things. And I think there's just, there really is something for everybody in their music. And they, they, they played with different, I mean, it's the same genre, but their sound changed so much. So there really is something for everybody. And there's like more dancey stuff like Twist and Shout and then there's more ballads like The Long and Winding Road. Like they really were able to just perfect every type of sound. So I think that's that's why it can stay relevant. Like it's just so good at everything that they did. Do you see them staying relevant in the future as well? For sure. I don't see how they couldn't stay relevant. Like, I think, I think what's great about streaming now is that everybody has access to everything and you're able to be introduced to all types of music and go back to older music. And I mean, like Stranger Things, that came out last year and they had that episode that featured Kate Bush running up that hill. And because Stranger Fans were in Stranger Things fans were into it, then it went up on TikTok 
And then the whole world like exploded and Kate Bush's song from the 80s was the song of the summer, which is insane and amazing. And like, I think that that's the thing. It's like a good song. Good music is never going to be not relevant. It's just good music is good music. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I don't know if you saw, but Here Comes the Sun just passed a billion streams on Spotify the other day. Did it really? Yeah, yeah. It's in the Billion Streams Club now, up there with uh, As It Was by Harry Styles and I think Antihero by Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> it's it's just cool to see it up there with those songs, you know. And uh, yeah, I was going to ask you a question, about it, but I forgot what it was. Um, oh, yeah. If someone's never heard the Beatles before and you had the responsibility of recommending them a few songs in order to convert them into a fan, which songs would you tell them to listen to? Oh my gosh. I don't know. No, I do know. <laughs> give me a second to think about that. How many can I give? Three. Three? Three songs, yeah. And it's your responsibility to convert them into a fan with these three songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is so difficult. Yeah, you know, I never asked that question before. You're the you're the first one. <laughs> and I think it's going to stick with the rest of the interviews, too. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I'll do I Want You, She's So Heavy, because that's just my favorite. It's, a, it's like an eight-minute song. Like, there's got to be... <laughs> People have to love that song, because I love it. So I said so. Um, oh, my gosh. Two more. Only two more. I want to say, this is so hard. Because <laughs> I want to give like one of their weird ones, like Eleanor Rigby or Maxwell Silverhammer. Okay, I'll, I'll go with Eleanor Rigby. Okay. I'll do that one. Great choice. And then, and then my last one. <laughs> I'm thinking like one of their earlier ones, like Twist and Shout or, or, but for no one is so good or here, there and everywhere is so good. <laughs> and okay, no, I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'll. I'm curious to see whether you're going to include George in your top three because you have one Paul and one John so far. Well, I want to do something, but that's also off of Abbey Road. And I'm trying to think of like maybe giving, but you know what? You know what? I'll do something because it's so good. Yeah. Okay. That's my final answer. Okay. Solid three. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a fan after listening to those. Okay, so, Ella, what are you doing now? Are you involved in any projects at the moment? What's going on? Yes. I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about. It's all very early stuff. Um, I have a film that was already shot. It should be coming out this year. I don't know when. And then I'm about to work on something that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, but it's with a director that... I'm really excited to work with. 
So it's all stuff that I can't really give any information on, but I'm very excited for everything to happen and people should follow me on Instagram at Ella Valentine because I, whenever I know I'm allowed to talk about something, I definitely do. And that's all on your Instagram, right? That's all on my Instagram. (laughs) And I'm going to leave the link to your Instagram page in the podcast description so people listening can go follow you. Thank you. And Ella, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking with you today. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. And thank you to Ella Ballantyne for coming on the podcast and bringing your energy and laughs to the show. To find out more about Ella and to stay updated on all of her future work, follow her on Instagram at Ella Ballantyne. The link is in the podcast description. If you'd like to hear more episodes in the future, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us at Beatles Earth on all social media. And as always, I'll see you next week with a brand new episode.